0: Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. Today's guest on the podcast is Brian Bliven. He's chief information officer at MU Healthcare. Welcome, Brian.
1: John, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so excited to talk about an award you received. But before we get to that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and MU Healthcare.
1: Sure, sure. Um, MU Healthcare, an academic system in the middle of the state of Missouri, uh, is part of the UM system of of, uh, campuses across the state of Missouri. We're located, headquartered here in Columbia, Missouri, right in the middle of the state, and. I have uh, five hospitals and around 60 ambulatory locations throughout Mid-Missouri and several affiliates. Um, and I have been part of the University of Missouri partnership, uh, Tiger Institute since 2010. Wow! Um, so it's been been a long journey really since that partnership started. <clears throat> um, I came here as a director of, of IT applications and in 2013 had the opportunity to serve as the chief information officer. And have been in that, that role since. And then also the executive director of the Tiger Institute for Health Innovation, which is that partnership with Cerner Corporation.
0: Awesome. We want to talk about that. But, you know, it's great that you've had such a, a deep experience with them, a long tenure, which is interesting to think about for our CIOs. But you know, as you look yeah. back at that, what IT projects do you think have really made the biggest difference for patients and kind of what's been the impact?
1: Oh there's been a great deal over that time frame and when we started out it was really just the implementation of of IT and not the optimization so there's definitely the impacts that that has on an organization and your patients but to answer your question it's been the ones where we focus on quality i think that come to mm-hmm. the top of mind so when we're uh, as the IT organization partnered with the clinicians and focusing on on outcomes and driving outcomes. Um, one in particular, and one uh, as we start thinking through, like our Davies Award submission was uh, the implementation of the news uh, early warning systems scores uh, for sepsis, and how we went through embedding that as into into our technology, and then also into the processes around it, trying to get the information to the right people. Um, that one, you know, we can tie back to impacting our mortality in the sepsis area. And, and so you can just see the, the impact that that had on the health system. <clears throat> um, others though, across, you know, patients, we've done a lot too in, in terms of just engaging patients with technology, mm-hmm. uh, meaning things like the patient portal and really trying to take it from an approach of what do our patients need and what do they expect to interact with uh, and in this day and age, with with technology, with your health system, and that's evolved definitely over the past decade yeah. quite a bit. So, um, you know, there's definitely been several over the years, but those would maybe the two that I would highlight. Those types of approaches where we're dealing directly with the patients, or when we're focusing on on quality and outcomes.
0: Yeah. I love the first one. Uh, when I first got into healthcare, I thought, how cool would it be if the technology that I help implement helps save a life, right? I mean, it sounds like that's what you did, which yeah. it's awesome. Uh, let's talk about the patient portal. I mean, a lot of people hate it. <laughs> yeah, let's just be honest, right? Patients in particular, right? And I think it's because many roll out this portal that doesn't offer a lot of functionality. Has that been your experience that, you know, the key is like rolling in the right functionality into the portal or, or what's been your experience? Cause it's great to see that you've had a good experience with it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things too, where the expectation evolves very quick. So I'd say we were ahead of the curve and then you quickly get behind the curve and now we're <laughs> in the catch up with the curve again, when it comes to that engagement with, with the technology. But you're right, focusing on what do patients really need and want. And then what can you as the organization deliver on? And that's been you know, a focus very early on is if we're going to turn on messaging and we're going to send out the notes and the documentation, do we have the right processes and structure behind it so that there's good service mm-hmm. so that you're getting a response so that we can manage it, measure it? Um, if we're allowing a, a physician to have the their schedule online to be booked making sure that it matches up with the experience that you would get if you tried to do a phone call uh, and having to set those expectations. Like maybe not everybody given the functionality that we have is right for online scheduling at this point. Um, But for those that are primary care is kind of where we initially focused having those functions available. Um, I have like uh, a personal connection on being able to talk about the functionality as my wife, she refers to herself as Laura Ingalls Wilder saying I'm (laughs) uh you know not into technology and if and if I can read the notes and get online and find out the scheduling then you're doing pretty good Uh, and also I have two teenagers so getting their getting their take on the technology also helps um but no, that the the interaction it's been it's been good to hear folks interact with it and say you know that really made it easier for me to schedule or I didn't want to call and I didn't want to have to Talk to yeah. somebody. I didn't have time. I could do it on my uh, on my time that I wanted to. Um, that makes a difference. That's a good good impactful uh, thing to have.
0: Yeah, and the trend I see, and I'm seeing it all over, you know, different healthcare organizations that the spike in messages to doctors is just growing at a, a substantial rate and that's often uncompensated time which I you know I, obviously COVID I think enabled that because many people are like well I don't want to go in the office so how about I try the portal and send the messages it feels like we got a kind of brewing crisis of, of messages I mean to your point is, is that the key is kind of figuring out the resources to help alleviate the doctors or do we need some reimbursement for that so doctors actually get paid for answering yeah. it.
1: I, yes and yes, right? I, so you're absolutely right. You have these processes in place for phone calls. Mm-hmm. Trees, structures, backups, you need to have the same for those type of messages coming in. And you also need to have the conversation yeah. with like the providers and how they're going to run the the clinic and and how the interaction with the staff is going is is going to be beneficial from, messaging patients, what expectations are you setting? Is it going to be just the provider reading it? Or is it going to be their partners and their staff and, and making sure you have those upfront and then having the technology that'll allow you to <clears throat> create like the pools. So the messages can get answered and make sure you track it super important. And then when does it become like a visit in and of its own where it's really you're doing yeah. telemedicine um, yep, through messaging, and, you know, doing it asynchronously. <laughs> and when, when is that appropriate to charge, And that is like a whole evolution as well of, um, you know, we built the mechanism in for a period of time there where you could charge based on the messages, but it was really hard for a provider to draw the line as to when is this a back and forth message, which I would expect is normal maintenance. And when is it something new? Uh, And, and how do they feel comfortable saying, you know, this is actually now a visit. Uh, And that was years ago. uh, But I still think that there's that is, a, it, there's a mismatch in expectation, and, and when when is it uncompensated care, and when do you need to have a visit for it, and when is it follow-on for a previous right. existing condition? So, and then you know, think about payment models and members, and and all sorts of things that could factor into that would that would change how it would work. But you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. Well, value-based care will solve all that, all right? No. (laughs) Let's uh, shift gears. I I love the patient focus there, right? Uh, And and it sounds like that's maybe some of the work you've done as well. Uh, You were recently named, MU Healthcare was recently named a Hems-Davies Award winner, which is a a really prestigious honor in healthcare IT. So uh, what do you think really set your award submission apart, and what's been the impact of the project you submitted?
1: Sure. So we're actually, it's our second time winning the Davies award. We also won it back in, in 2015. And it's interesting to see the evolution of the process of mm-hmm. submitting. Uh, this is based on case studies. We submitted three case studies and a key focus was outcomes and it was outcomes, patient outcomes, and how can you tie the implementation of technology to those outcomes? Um, and I mentioned the, the sepsis news. Uh, a learning project. That was one of our submissions in this past um, case study that we submitted, case studies that we submitted for the award. Uh Then we had one on blood management and making sure that we have the appropriate decision support around transfusions and that uh, we're enabling our clinicians to make the right decision there. And that has quality implications, but also expense, um, better management of resources. And then we did one that was uh, a uh, usability-focused submission and case study, and it was usability and the fact of the configurations that we have available to us within our technology and our EMR, so not necessarily the design of the EMR vendor, but once given to a client to implement, what do the choices that you have available within that tool set, uh, how can you make it more uh, useful for folks to interact with? And And we used, uh, we were having some poor adoption on screening forms and they were difficult to use was kind of the feedback. So we took an approach of, we know we're not asking for an enhancement or a change in the functionality. What can we do design wise, take those principles and test it and go through. So each one of those, we had to walk through the process, walk through the implementation, the interventions, and then show sustained measures for a long period of time. Um, And they were really all within a framework that we started at MU Health uh, around quality improvement. And we have cross-organizational quality improvement teams that really structured us to have these type of outcomes where we look across, uh, we use Visient as our really North Star when it comes to quality and safety and where we want to be. We want to be in the top tiers of of the Visient rankings of an academic medical center. And you then can look at the areas where you would need to improve the most as an organization and then build these cross-organizational teams. And IT has been, you know, in the middle of it, each one you have somebody that's there, super rewarding project, you get great networking across the organization. uh, And then you get to try these implementations, uh, these interventions and measure them and see if if they make an impact and then is it qualified to scale out. And that's all kind of part of that. Performance improvement structure led by our uh, led by our quality organization. Excuse me.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that's the thing that struck me about your description is that you really have to have a cross functional team to do any of those three things that you just described and, and there's many CIOs that I'm sure are listening to this podcast that are having a challenge bridging that gap. What was the key there? Was it really going after those scores that you talked about or was it a, a good CEO that said, hey, this is the priority and you're gonna to work together? Or you know, kind of what brought all of you together?
1: Organizational focus, <clears throat> um, you know, our mission is to save and improve lives, everyone believes that. And when you look at quality and safety scores, it's a it's a representation of that. So if you see a score where you're like, you know, that's not representative of what we feel the care that we're delivering uh, and having the data available to slice and dice the measures and say, what are the drivers of a score that we think should be better? We should be better than we're currently representing ourselves uh, and then use classic performance improvement. And it's not an IT project. IT might be a portion of it that you use to implement, which lined up with the, the Davies Award, but, uh, and I think that's also a key of IT is an enabler and the technology and Hims Davies representing how are you, how are you leveraging IT to drive your organization? Not, at, not how are you leveraging it to try to be the best at using IT, but what are you actually able to implement mm-hmm. and sustain? It's a, it's a platform that we have kind of the foundation for it. how can you use it to get better? Uh, and it's super rewarding then for our staff to get yeah, uh, on the IT side, involved in those in those projects and see the meaningful work.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a mindset shift because pretty much every project has some IT, <laughs> so you could say it's an <laughs> IT project, and, and yet uh, you know, to, if you lead with the IT, you may not get the best outcome. Is what I'm learning.
1: Absolutely agree, hundred percent. Got to have the clinical and operational leadership, and then the IT is a tool and. Uh, a lot of times flowing out the processes and then figuring out where the IT interventions could be. And that was the case with sepsis. We had, it was one where it's, it's something that we knew we needed to focus on. We took several runs at interventions that while it made logical sense, it didn't vet out in the real world as moving the mm. needle. And it was really taking, not just like within the EMR and having an alert it was who needs to get noticed, who need, who has the time to be able to react to the notification and are you getting somebody else involved and someone that's already busy, that already knows the patient's, you know, really sick uh, and they might, you know, do they need help? And, and so that was part of the intervention is, yes, we take the score, put it in the workflow. If it reaches a certain threshold, we'll send it to a response team so that they can get involved and, and offer some help. And that's what ultimately really, drove the metric and we were able to sustain. We tried several different iterations before that that just didn't provide the value that we needed.
0: Yeah. I think it takes some humility as an IT person to say, you know, that piece of paper might be a better solution. <laughs> sure, we could do IT with this, but that that's over engineering it or, you know, whatever the solution might be. So that that's great. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your, you know, Tiger Institute for Health Innovation, which I I think is a really unique approach to health IT operations. You talked about it being a a private public partnership between uh, University of Missouri and Cerner. Tell us how that works. And and is this a model that other healthcare organizations should follow?
1: Um, Maybe I'll tell you how it works and then we can, we can dive into that. that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely unique. Uh, so started in, in 2009. Uh, and at the time, <clears throat> if you if you go back to 2009, thinking of the uh, American Reinvestment Act and Meaningful Use was about to um, be yep. to the forefront. And so lots of implementations going on. And if you use <clears throat> the, the Hims analytics EMR adoption measures, uh-huh. University of Missouri was setting it around that level two currently, and knew that they would have to move very quickly. Uh, and they had been a, a Cerner client since the mid '90s. Wow! And we're wondering, is this the right relationship to to move us forward? And there were a group of physicians at the university that kind of sparked a relationship with the engineers at Cerner. were a couple hours away from Cerner's headquarters right. here, and they would drive back and forth and started having these meetings and they came up with some cool functionality that now is pretty commonplace at all. It is commonplace Mm -hmm. at all Cerner clients is the, what's referred to as M pages, which is a different way to view the chart. That was something that came out of this relationship Uh and uh, the CEO of Cerner at the time, Neil Patterson, and then the uh, president of UM system uh, at the time, a gentleman named Gary Forsey were having these conversations around what was different about that relationship. You know, we, how can we move faster? How can we do innovative things? And they got to this concept of it was a partnership and there's so much overlap in the visions within MU Health uh, and Cerner. uh, If we started to to take an approach that was different, uh, how would that look? And so they came up with a governance structure and that still exists in today where we're operated by a board of governors that has representatives from Cerner executives, as well as university and we moved the IT functions of MU Healthcare into this Tiger Institute. Uh, and that had really a follow on order of, you're able to really create a brand around your IT organization. Mm. I mean, before we were, we were known as IT. Uh, and, yeah. and now you're the Tiger Institute for Health Innovation. And, and so that you're able to, to create a brand around it. And, and really um, here's a reason we have both organizations that are saying this is important to us. And so it changed really the, the focus. I know when I first started, there was a, a very large uh, CPOE order entry project that was ongoing. Uh-huh. And like the first, uh, like right before the big announcement, you, you go to the meetings and it was, you, know, you have a nursing supervisor and uh, a unit clerk and one of the IT physicians that was involved and, and a couple other people. And then after this big splash, you know, the, the project group was the chief medical officer, the chief nursing <laughs> officer. It, it created kind of that engagement of, no, we're all serious about this. This is important. We need to make progress and we're going to work together on it. So it, it really changed the framework of both the, the way that we would work through with, with Cerner and vice versa. So not as, as vendor, it's more as partner and we're going to work through the challenges together. And then also within the organization that this is important and we need to be successful. We need to make sure that we have a dynamic IT implementation. Um, So fast forward, you know, we've renewed up through the year 2030 uh, now for this Tiger Institute partnership and definitely changes along the way. Um, You know, first, it was all about that. We've got to move and we've got to be able to get this implementation right and and quickly. Uh, and we went from HIMS Level 2 to hims Level 7 in a couple of years, both inpatient and outpatient. And then it was, what do we do with this system? That, that was just the basement. <laughs> that was the foundation or, right. or the plumbing, as it was kind of referred to. We've laid that plumbing. What are we going to do with it? Uh, and then then using something like the Davies, where it's like, what value are you getting out of IT as an approach to say, this is what we want to do. is We want to try to drive the organization with this IT platform.
0: Yeah, I would have never thought the value of branding to an IT organization to the rest of them. Uh, and I think that's a universal principle that could be applied to to any healthcare organization. And it probably helps you in recruiting people as well, right? Uh, you know, as you recruit people, you know, I don't think Columbia, Missouri, is the uh, hotbed of uh, IT professionals who want to move there, right? So, th- does that help in the recruiting side as well?
1: It does, and don't not Columbia. It is. It is. A, it I is want a to go there. My friend evening. invited me. Yes.
0: <laughs> I hear there's some great river rafting and things, so I'm Absolutely. down. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, no, it does, and you know I've seen it. Uh, a fan of different leadership books. You've seen it, uh, like in in the book about face. there, you know the rebranding, kind of like a military unit, changing the name and creating that. Uh, it, it is something that you can take advantage of and it does create that sense of, of pride that um, here's here's what we're trying to accomplish and create. And the important thing is it has to tie back into the organization. It, it can't conflict. It has to align completely with the, the mission of the organization, which, which it does here. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. So as a CIO, you know, there's so many things you could work on. And I think this is the, one of the things we talk a lot about on on this podcast, but how do you approach kind of prioritizing projects as CIO? Are are there any tricks to kind of governance and priorities for you?
1: Oh, I don't know about tricks. Um, it is, it's work. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I mean, it's simple, but it's very, it's not easy. Um, you know, prioritization is the right word is, is looking at, at what you need to accomplish. Um, I'll tell you, we've evolved and I expect that we'll continue to evolve. I don't think that there's a right answer. Uh, I think that you can continue to get better, Um, but you do look at what are the strategic priorities of the organization? What are the regulatory things that you have to get done? And that kind of creates the boulders and being able to go throughout the organization and allow for a tops down feed as well as a bottoms up feed is important be able to categorize those find out what the where the demands at and then you take those ones that you know you have to as the boulders then you start filling in with the sand and you try to do that by based on priorities but you also look and say based on the resources that we have available from the ones we have to get done are there other ones that we could do that maybe wouldn't float to the top as a priority but we can't attack the next in the priority because of resources. So look at those bottlenecks, try to elevate the bottleneck, understand where where in your flow that you uh, need to look and prioritize, and then try to do that for each area that is a bottleneck. Uh, and thats it's a lot of work. I, we're not perfect. Uh, sure. The other thing about prioritization is, again, it's not an IT function. We're here to serve the mission of the organization. There are key things from an IT perspective, like if we don't increase the storage or we don't, yeah. there's things that we have that fall, fall into that list, but a lot of the implementations and things that we're working through, um, they're departmental, they're clinical, they're those type of and we're supporting. So you got to work through that and then you got to get a good group uh, to put in the time to help lead it. And I think that's been one where you know, it, it's tough to you want to have these engaged leaders from across the organization. Some of the IT projects aren't easy to understand. And, mm-hmm. and you kind of come like I'm being asked to represent my area. And so you understand maybe what you'll need. But if someone from another department is explaining their projects like, oh, yeah, it's all fine and good. We really need an engaged group that's willing to understand the different projects and how they fit in and, and help us understand what we need to focus on. And then you got to be willing to make a decision. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, I don't know if any of those are tricks, um, but that's kind of how we approach it. And I hope we continue to get better because I'd say we're not there.
0: That's a nice framework. And you're right. I mean, how many people don't understand why you need to do a security review or why you can't just integrate this app that they love, you know, with your EHR perfectly, right? (laughs)
1: Like,
0: you know, helping them educate them on that is is a challenge for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Well, as we wrap up, uh, you know, I, I always like to end with some career advice or career perspective. So what's the best piece of career advice that you'd give a, a new CIO or, or maybe an aspiring CIO?
1: Um, I have come to realize just how vastly different the CIO roles are at different organizations from critical access, community hospitals through large IDNs, and just the different scope of the role. Mm-hmm. So and how much it's changed over the past few years with the other roles that are coming into the space, like chief innovation officer or mm-hmm. analytics officer, or you have kind of these different mixes.
0: Digital officer. Digital officer, <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely, and kind of so the, it can be different in each organization. Um, so to me, if you if you're leading a, a, de- a department or a portion of the organization, it's really about aligning with the the mission of the organization, understanding uh, where that organization is wanting to go and then looking at the tools that you have available within the organization and helping to connect those dots. Uh, So I think if you do that and you you view yourself not as the the person that is the best at technology, but how can I be a leader within the organization and help to contribute and help other leaders that are in your peer group accomplish what they need to accomplish. Uh, So it's kind of that uh, it, Definitely, I would suggest that service mentality of trying to work across your peer group. And then also you're here to support your organization. So that's, that's really the job of, of a leader is to uh, help their organization carry out, explain kind of the direction and, and help to inform and then support and help remove roadblocks. Um, and I think you had mentioned earlier, like good dose of humility uh, is mm. you're, you're a service part of the organization. You're trying to help other people and you definitely need to bring that.
0: Love it. Well, Brian, this was a lot of fun and uh, congratulations on the Hinge Davies Award uh, times two. Uh, That's that's a a big honor and uh, appreciate you sharing your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching. If you want to find all the episodes of the CIO podcast, you can check them out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Brian.
1: Thank you, John.